Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Every year at Vision Sunday, I usually stand up here and talk about our church. And let me say how proud I am of all of you amazing people, because without you, none of this would be possible. And I'm so proud of what you do, your heart, your generosity, the love you show for people in your community, because there's a group of you in here that in spite of all the obstacles we've faced over the last few years, in spite of all the challenges that we've gone through, you have trusted God, and you have believed, and you have trusted in the vision of this house. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Put your hands together for all of them. Thank you. But before we talk about our vision this year, I just want to reflect a little bit back on what happened last year, because in 2023, our Heart for the House offering, our vision offering that we talked about was really geared towards our AC downstairs, and hopefully we'll turn it on when you get downstairs because it's installed. How awesome is that? And also for our kitchen facility that's still almost there, but it's getting there, so hopefully it'll be done soon. But today actually officially ends our 2023 Heart for the House offering. And we, I asked all of you guys to be generous over the last year, and our offering total that we wanted to raise was $30,000 towards our AC and our kitchen facility. So I'm happy to announce today, Transformers, we raised $33,364,000. Amazing job, you know? A huge thank you to all of you who contributed, whether you contributed a little or a lot. We just want to thank you and honor you and appreciate you. And you should have got an email and you'll get a paper letter as well from one of our staff that will thank you individually for your generosity. But to put it another way, I want to say to you that you really saw vision before it became a reality. Before we actually got our AC, before we got into this building, there were some of you that were instrumental in your giving to get us in this facility. And that is the demonstration of the love of God that you have, not just for yourselves, but for all the people that will eventually come and be part of this building. Because they can come and sit in the comfort that maybe you didn't enjoy when you got here, because it was extremely hot, but you are generous. And so... I'm inspired. I hope all of you are inspired by your generosity. And I just want to thank you once again. A big thank you for your generosity. So, moving ahead to this year, we are just really getting started with what God is going to do through this house. You know, we haven't been in this building for many years. It's almost two years in May, it'll be that we got into this building. But you've already done amazing things in this place. And so you need to pat yourselves on the back, you know, all of you that are generous. And as I said before, there, there's a group of you that are generous in season and out of season. Even when we went through COVID, there were people that were generous. We wouldn't have been able to survive. And a lot of places didn't make it. But because of your generosity, we survived. And not only survived, but we thrived. And that's a testament 
to God and His goodness in you and your heart and your generosity. So again, I just want to appreciate you and tell you how proud I am of all of you wonderful people here at Transform. We really appreciate you. So because we want to make this place into something amazing that will not just be comfortable for you, but for future generations, for many people that will come and hear what good news is and what the truth is and what the love of Jesus Christ is. And, and you've given those people, those future people, you've sowed into them before they even got here. And I just, again, really, really am inspired and thrilled by what all of you have done. So before I announce our vision for this year, let me say to the people, those of you who have been here with us over the years, but have not really invested in this house, this vision and this place. I don't really know what you're waiting for because God's moving, we're moving. You need to move as well. Especially those of you who've been here for years. I don't know what you're waiting for. Come on, jump in, see what God is doing and see an amazing thing that will happen in your life. Because when the opportunity arrives, you have to grab it. Because when we celebrate and we give God thanks, and we're happy with what happens, you can't really celebrate with us because you weren't part of getting us here, right? Yeah. So you have to sit on the outside, and you might be part of us as we gather, but on the inside, you know you're not part of it. No matter what I say, and no matter what happens in this house, if you're not invested, if you're not contributing, if you're not serving, if you're not loving, if you're not doing something in this house, then you're just coming and sitting. And you're actually a spectator on the sidelines. It's like a sporting game, right? You go there, you cheer, you shout, but you have no outcome on the game. The skill of the players determines the outcome of the game. And so I want to encourage you, those of you that have been here for years but are still sitting on the sidelines, it's time to jump in. Tap your neighbor and say, jump in. Jump in, that's right. And this house, Transform Church, is a place that I love. And I hope you love it too. Yeah. Right? And I don't get this opportunity a lot just to brag about our church, just talk about our church. Usually I'm up here talking about different things. But Vision Sunday is important because we're talking about what God is doing in our house, yeah. in this place. And what we are going to do with, in conjunction with God, in partnership with God, to do more of what happens in this world. So Transform Church really exists to impact nations and empower generations because we are a multi-generational church. We don't want to have a short spurt and then die off. We want to have a generational blessing, which means that your kids and your kids' kids and the kids that you didn't even think about will be here and be blessed by what God is doing in this house. We want to have a multi-generational, multinational church. And we've made this environment a place where everyone can come and feel at home. And that is not accidental, that is intentional. As I've always said, and I will always keep saying, we want to reach people. We want to welcome people who are far from God in this house. We want to love people, we want to embrace people, even if they don't necessarily believe what we believe. Perhaps that's why we should do it especially why we should do it if they don't believe what we do because that's how you change the world. Because what good is it or how commendable is it if you just love people that love you? If you just hang out with people that like you, 
Because that's what reality, that's what most people do, right? But because we follow Jesus, because we follow a God that we call holy, that we just worship, that shows us extreme love, we have to make a difference in people's lives. And we are to demonstrate God's love for those who are far from God. Not by what we say necessarily, but how we live and what we do. Because here's why. And this is what Jesus said. And this is what Jesus taught. And here's an instance for it. He says, you are the light of the world. He said these words on what normally we would read if you're a Bible study student, on what we call the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he said this to a people who were under Roman oppression, who were not necessarily feeling like they were the light of anything. They had gathered under this Roman occupation, and they were really looking for something, and they decided, well, let's just hang out with Jesus. We're kind of interested in what he does. So they went and followed him, and Jesus, though he's looking through the lens of history, he's not just talking to those people. He's talking to us in our generation, because Jesus sees beyond that, and he sees us, he sees you, and he sees me. And he says this again, you are the light of, his, of the world. And to his original audience, they would have looked around and like, um, yeah, we don't really feel that. You're like, no, 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 we're not the light of anything. We're actually the oppressed. And by extension, as he looks into our world, we would probably listen to the words of Jesus and say the same thing. Light of the world, Jesus, are you kidding me? I don't feel like a light of anything. You are the light of the world, but for, as for me, I'm not sure about me. I'm not sure about what happens in my world. We're not the light of anything. But Jesus was right. And that little spark that he lit almost 2,000 years ago still exists today. And it took a flame. And thousands and millions of people across the world, and 2,000 years later, we are still talking about it. And if Jesus was right, and I believe he's right, because anyone who who predicts his death and his resurrection, I'm going to stick with that guy because he knows what he's talking about. And Jesus is right when he says this. And I'm pretty sure... And confident that what he says is true. And then what he says is that you and me, we are the light of the world. And it's important, isn't it? Because the world, it's a dark place. And it's getting darker by the minute. By all the things that seem to engulf us and consume us. So Jesus, he knew what he was talking about. And I'll repeat it to you again. He says, you are the light of the world. This original audience, they had no idea of the magnitude of the statement that Jesus was looking into and saying, and he was casting it way into the future to our generation. And Jesus doesn't just make that bold statement without substantiating it, without giving us some sort of background or, or ability to do something. And He doesn't just stop there by saying, you are the light of the world. There's an extension that applies to you and me. Because what does a light do? It shines. That is the sole purpose of a light, to shine. Because if it doesn't shine, if your, you know, your bulb or your globe at home doesn't shine, what do you do with it? Put it on a shelf and treasure it? You throw it away because it's fulfilled its function. If it doesn't shine, it's useless. And I remind you again that Jesus says that you and me, we are the light of this world. We have to shine. 
And so he continues, he says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works, and not glorify us, and say, look what you did, or look how great of a work you did, or isn't that marvelous, isn't that great, look how amazing of a church you are, because you're doing so much good. No, that ultimately it leads them to see and acknowledge our Heavenly Father. That they look up and they see His goodness and His mercy and His love. And so he says that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. And when you think about the statement of Jesus and you really put this into position or an action intentionally, what you think you're looking at is a world that needs light to do especially for those who are far from God because they need the most love. They need the most care. Because when Jesus said this in the first century, that kind of generosity that we're talking about this morning, it didn't exist. It didn't exist in the first century. They thought that this kind of thing that we're talking about, being generous by giving, what we do when we see a need and we meet a need, that didn't exist back then. They, this kind of generosity we talk about that is known fundamentally as a Christian thing because it has its roots right here in what Jesus said. It goes all the way back to what Jesus said. And then his followers, they took on the words of Jesus and they lived a life intentionally trying to do and follow the words of Jesus. And it impacted not just their community or their city, but ultimately the world. The reason you and I are sitting here is because people took on the words of being light and impacted their world. Because again, in the ancient world, you didn't help anyone. At least not in the way that we're talking about. Where you saw a need and gave and you saw a need and you met it, that was something that they considered foolish. Because why would you help someone that couldn't help you back? Why would you give of your hard-earned money to someone that has no ability to return that to you? They didn't do that in the ancient world. They just looked after themselves. Why would they? Because in that world, they only did for someone who could do for them. I'll give to you if you can return something to me. And it's sad because sometimes that same sort of attitude lives in our world, right? It's not so different in our world. I'll give you a gift if you give me a gift. I'll help you out if you help me out. If you take me and drop me off there, then I'll consider dropping you off. If they can't return the favor, why would you do a favor for them? Who does that? That's how they lived back then. There was an assumption of the ancient world, and it's still an assumption today, because that's human nature. If something or someone does something for you, I'll do it for you in return. If you're generous to me, I'll be generous to you. If you give me something, I'll give something for you. But then along came Jesus and introduced a brand new way of thinking and operating and living. And consequently, Christianity flourishes because of this way of living, where Christians went out of their way to help those who could not 
give anything in return. They gave it just because they wanted to demonstrate God's love, not with an expectation of getting anything back in return. Where they give to people they have never met and they will never hope to meet in their entire life. They will never see them face to face. They will never know anything about them. But they gave. You should read your scripture because that's what happens. And this is undeniable. Where Christianity flourished, people flourished. Because generosity and compassion in the Christian faith is considered virtuous. It's a good thing. We aspire to do that way. And it all stems from this verse, right? The most famous verse in all of history. People that don't even know God know this verse. And I'll let you fill in the blank. For God so loved that he... There you go. He gave. He didn't wait for someone to do. He gave. And the reason that this kind of generosity was launched was because it really started in the gospel where Jesus is teaching. For God so loved that he gave to people that could not give back to him. That they were incapable of giving back to him. And he says to us, to all of us gathered who decide to follow him, I want you to do for others the way that I have done for you. Now I want you to do it in a way that you do good works that people go, wow. And then you say, you know what? I just want to point you to my heavenly father. Because it's not about what I did. It's about what God did for me that I'm doing for you. And you point them in the direction of your heavenly Father. And I want to be quick to point out to them that this is not my job or my work. It's what God has done in me that I'm just pouring out into you. And that's really the most basic thing as a Christ follower that we can do. When you see a need, you meet a need. When you see someone in need, you help them out. It's a fundamental fact of who our faith is revolved around. And let me say this. You are doing for the next generation what a previous generation did for you. All of us sitting here are sitting here not by our own strength, but because a previous generation provided and believed and sowed and gave and were generous and were doing things out of their normal capacity. They did what Jesus asked them to do with love and compassion. And a generation that's gone before that, we honor them. We thank them. And Jesus, well, Jesus, well, he's not through. He has a lot more to say. Because he desires... Or he defines what it looks like for you and me in our world. This is what it looks like. He says, you are to love one another the way that I have loved you, right? I loved you when you were broken. I loved you when you were scarred. I loved you when you were rejected. I loved you when you didn't have anyone else to love you. And so John, who's there, one of the disciples of Jesus, who's documenting Jesus' words, and he writes this down because this is what Jesus says. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you do what? Love one another. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Here is the context. Not love out of our capacity, not love the way that we think we should love, the way that Jesus loves, because that's what he says, love another as I have loved you. 
And this is core to who we are Christians because I want you to pay close attention to that verse because Jesus said this, right? A new what? A suggestion? An idea? A thought? A proposal? A recommendation? No, he says it's a command. And to whom is he talking to? Well, to his original audience, but to us as well. Everyone who decides to follow him, his followers and us. So how will you follow Jesus and not love others? How can you love the epitome of love, but not love other people? Can you really define yourself as a Christ follower if you ignore Jesus, you ignore his instructions, you ignore his commands? Love one another, even those we might not get an opportunity to meet face to face. This is not about proximity because oftentimes we love the people in our life that's closest to us, our immediate family, our extended family, and maybe a friend or two. But that's about it. It stops right there. It doesn't reach further than that. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying love everyone. Mind you, even the ones that don't love you. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us because that's not human nature. But this is how we are to be defined. This is how we are to be recognized. And there are people in here who have really made this their identity. They love and they gave because Jesus asked them to. And they've been doing it for years and years and years. And you might not hear about them. You might not see them. But they've been doing it not because they owe us or you or me anything. Because they owe everything to Christ. And what he did for them. And as a church, we are a gathering of believers that have an opportunity to impact those with the, others with the same love that they impacted us. The same compassion that we received. The same love that Jesus gave us, we can share with others. To help those who cannot help themselves. To extend our heart to those in have, who in have no way of repaying us for what we do to them. But we do it not to get anything in return. We do it because what Jesus did for us. We are to love and be generous with what God has given us. And John, who was there to hear the words of Jesus and documents it for future generations to be shared to you and me, and he kind of further hammers this thought home when he brings it all together in his writings. And he says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. There's no longer a bondage on us. We are no longer trapped in the bondage of death because what Christ did for us and we are doing for others, we have passed from life to death. Pay close attention. And then he continues this. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. He is using strong language. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And this is what he says. This is what 
love is. This is how we know we love. This is not an ordinary kind of love. This is not the love that, you know, we have a little bit of care and like we see someone sitting on the corner of the street and we drop a few pennies or a few coins that are loose in our pocket. This is not that kind of love. This is not even the love that you have for your sibling. No, this is a different kind of love. This is a unique kind of love. And this is how this love is defined. Something that we saw, John says, I saw something that changed my life. I was an eyewitness. I was an eyewitness to this unique brand of love that I can't even begin to draw, describe and put into focus. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And in the light of that, in the face of that kind of love, this is what we ought to do as well. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. And this is the message of Christianity. This is the core message of Jesus. In light of what Christ has done for you and me, we are to do the same for others. And if they were reading that, as John originally wrote it to them, if they were reading that in the first century, Christ follows reading that verse, they would have well said exactly what you're saying. Well, who is my brother and my sister? Is it familial or is it more than that? And we would understand in the context of what John is writing and saying to believers that it's actually believers that he's talking about, but it's actually much more than that. Because John is compiling what Jesus says. And Jesus illustrated this point and this concept by talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Most of you Bible readers know that, right? You know, this, you know the parable? There was a man who came down from worship. He went to church. He was going back home. And he was set upon by thieves and robbers who killed, almost killed him. They tore all his clothes off. They stole all his belongings. They left him naked by the side of the road. And along comes a pastor... Don't look at me. Along comes a pastor, and he sees the guy naked in the ditch, half dead, and he turns around and he walks in the opposite direction. Then comes the praise and worship leader, who just started singing about songs to how we should give God praise, and he sees the same guy in the ditch, half dead, and he goes around the other way as well. But then comes a Samaritan who according to Jewish law shouldn't be touching any Jewish things. And I remind you, this guy just came from church. And this guy, he doesn't know anything about God. Or at least he doesn't have a great relationship. But he decides to help this guy to lift him out of his situation, to take him to a place that will look after him. And he said to the people there, take care of him. And when I come back, if there's any extra, I'll pay for you. But here's what's interesting. Maybe you didn't pay attention Jesus says this parable in response to a question. Do you know what the question was? It was a rich lawyer that came by and said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this parable to illustrate the point. And then he says, well, who is your neighbor? Let me ask you, who is your neighbor? Who is your brother and your sister? And Jesus says, your neighbor is anyone whose need you can meet. Your neighbor is anyone who has a need. Jesus said your neighbor is not just the people around you, your family, but anyone, even those you have never met in your life, who have a need. 
anyone's need that you can meet. Your brother and sister is anyone whose need you can meet. And then Jesus would demonstrate this because he went to Calvary and he died on the cross in front of everyone, not just for the Jewish people, but for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave. So sort of, so kind of short of actually giving your life, and I'm not asking you to give your life because that's not what Jesus is saying, and that's not what John is trying to illustrate. He's trying to emphasize a point. He's saying, you know what? In short of giving your life, I want you to understand this. Here's what this looks like in our world. Here's what it looks like in your world and my world. Because he continues this, right? John says, I'm glad you asked who your neighbor is because this is what it means. If anyone, right? He says, if anyone, and he does not define it, Really, it doesn't say this kind of people. If anyone, say anyone. 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 Who's anyone? Anyone, you sure? All right. If anyone, if anyone has material possessions, and that would be us, because we have more than enough in our world compared to 90% of the world. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother and sister in need but has no pity on them, and this is strong language. Let me tell you, it's really strong language because I'm going to show it to you in a second. He says, if you see a need and you see someone in need and all of a sudden your heart dries up, all of a sudden your compassion vanishes like the heat, or all of a sudden you get financially tight, listen to this amazing statement. It's powerful, but it's scary. How can the love of God be in that person and here's what's interesting in the original greek text because of our modern translations we've turned down the graphic nature of what john is trying to communicate for our modern sensibilities because we don't like being upset and that phrase has no pity on them see that phrase in the original greek it says something a little bit different. It has more weight to it. The King James Version actually translates it in a better way. They actually went for a word-for-word -word translation, and this is what it says in the King's James. Bear with English. And shuttered up his bowels of compassion from him. Right? And we don't use that word in our modern language a lot, bowels. But let me tell you who uses it. Healthcare workers and nurses. Right? They say it all the time. Oh, did he open up his bowels? Oh, he just opened up his bowels. You know what that means, right? You understand what it means. So in the original context of what John is saying, and I, I urge you, it's graphic, because this is what John is saying. He's writing and he says, it, it's actually to prevent passage at an opening. Right? Shut it up his bowels means it prevents passage at an opening. I'll say it again. It prevents passage at an opening. You understand what he's saying? Yeah. Right? Because this is the whole verse. But whosoever had this world's good and see his brother have need and shuttered up his bowels of compassion from him. And that's what he's saying. That's what the Greek text reads. And so let's bring that into our modern world. Here's what John is saying to you and me. If you see someone in need and you suddenly get financially constipated, you're full of something 
but it's not the love of Jesus. Right? That is what John is saying. And he's graphic about it. Right? But we've translated it a little bit. It has no pity. But our version, it says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother and sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in you? But understand how graphic John is saying it. And he's doing it. When the King James translators did this, they just went for it. They weren't trying to be nice. They weren't trying to be sensible. They were just trying to translate it, right? They weren't thinking about being polite. So here's a question I have to ask you. I have a question to ask me. I have a question for all of us. Because if we got this right for centuries and centuries, there would not be so much resistance to the message of Jesus. And John was writing this and, and putting this all together, and, he, and literally, he's seen Jesus do something, right? Here's Jesus. He paid the price for your sin and my sin. And this is his friend, his rabbi, his master, his friend who was crucified right in front of him, and he's at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mother as Jesus is being crucified, and he's looking at this kind of love, and he can't comprehend it at that time, because why would you give your life for these people that are spitting in your face and cursing you, and not even for you? Why would you do that, Jesus? He cannot comprehend this in that moment. But later he understands and he, he puts this together because he's seen his friend who he traveled with for three years give his life for someone that could never repay him. And when he hears about a need, he's, he's like, and when you hear about a need from someone, how do you close up your heart? How can we? How dare we? How do we close up our hearts and have no pity or compassion for someone who is in need? And that raises the question, how can you and I, in the light of what Jesus did, the price he paid, the love he gave, how can we, in the light of all this kind of love, not show to others what Christ has shown to us? John could not imagine a financially constipated Christ follower. He just couldn't. And anyone who truly follows Jesus, how could they lock up, close up, shut up their heart for someone in need? And John can't imagine a Jesus follower who would do that. Imagine John there looking at this sacrifice. And this is what John is saying. Jesus gave his life for that person in need. And if Jesus gave that kind of love and offered that kind of sacrifice, then and chose us to follow, and we in turn close up the compassion of our hearts in here, deep down, John begins to question, can God's love really be in you? Can it? If you've closed up, in spite of all that God has given you, and your, His generosity to you, His love to you, His provision for you, when you see someone who doesn't have like you do, you close up the doors of your heart. He says, how can God's love be in you? It doesn't make sense. 
Surely when you have something to spare, you can give some dollars, you can give some time, you can give some compassion, you can do something to respond to someone in need. If we were there to see what John saw with our own eyes, John witnesses, he didn't hear this from someone else, he's an eyewitness to Jesus' death and crucifixion. We would also think the exact same way. Maybe because we've been separated by thousands of years, we might not have seen it with our eyes. We're thinking, well, you know, it's kind of diluted. But we've experienced the same love that John experienced. And so we should be happy to do for others what they can do for themselves. Because that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we sang about this morning. And while I was a sinner... Christ died for me. While I could not give anything in return, Christ gave. And while I had no hope, Christ gave me hope. And then Jesus says, now I want you to live like the kind of people that have received that kind of love. Not just for the people close to you, but for everyone, and especially those who are far from God. And we know what love requires of us, so we can do for others what love has done for us. We give the way love gave to us. And that's why we have to do what Christ has asked us to do. And every Vision Sunday, I stand up here and I share with you the heart of our church. What God has placed in the very heart of Transform. How God has spoken a future for us where he wants to take us. And as we saw this morning, if you're here for the production, you saw it how God declared the earth and he said to go out and populate. You saw it in Joshua where he says, go out and take possession of the land as I've commanded you. Be strong and very courageous. Don't be fearful. You have nothing to fear. I'll provide you everything you need. And then he comes to us. You know, we're just in a long line of people that God has called to do things. And he says to us, I want you to go out and impact this world. This year, God is calling us to do something amazing, to impact people around us and impact people far from us. And this year, we're going to be something amazing for our vision offering for 2024. We're going to be part of this amazing corporate vision, and I'm encouraging every single one of you, because here's what we know. Everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. Everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. Because again, we go back to the same thing Jesus said. The scripture says, God so loved the world that he gave. God's love is to expand his love and to touch those people. Because sometimes the only way you can bring people to know who Jesus is is by demonstrating his love. Not by standing up and telling them, but by showing them how much you love them. And we are the vehicle that God chooses to reach the world, to impact the nation, to impact everyone around us. We work in partnership with God. And so our theme for this year is going to be kingdom expansion. Because God's kingdom is always advancing and we who have received it can share that love with those that are far from him. And so, again, we can give to those who have a need 
that are less well off, that don't have what we have, the less fortunate, and those that can't even return to us what we do for them. And God gives us so much and blesses us so infinitely. And he expects us to open the doors of our hearts to help those who are far from him. So our heart this year, our vision offering this year, is going towards planting a campus in the Philippines. An international campus. And some of you are excited, and I don't know what the rest of you were listening to. An international campus in the Philippines. And so to bring this a reality, to bring this into a reality, we have to equip with our vision offering this year. And so this year, our vision offering for the entire year is going to be $40,000 to equip a campus in the Philippines. This will facilitate equipment and supplies and hopefully a location and maybe we can get a building there and all that's necessary to actually kick off a church. And some of you will never ever get to see them because you're just too busy in this world. Some of you might because we can go down. But you're not giving because they're close to you. They're giving, you're giving because they're far from God. And proximity, as I said before, is not an excuse according to Jesus. There's so many opportunities in the Philippines. There are people that are hungry from God for God and they need someone There are people who are ready to go and we can equip them to go because our dollar for here goes much further than it does in the Philippines than it does over here. So I'm asking each one of you who has an income to give $1,000 this year, which is just about $85 a month or $22 a week. We spend more of that when we sit down to have lunch, one lunch. And if you break it down to $22 a week, you'll be able to meet that easily. But whatever amount you can give, we're giving not because we want to do a good work. We're doing it so we can point people to our Heavenly Father. We can point them to Jesus because that's who's going to change their life. And because of what God has done for us, the love He's shown us, we can be generous with other people. We can send people. Because we are to see a need and meet a need. So with the space this year, we'd like to raise $40,000. And again, that's for each of us that has an income to give at least $1,000. And that's not out of your tithes or your offerings because we still have needs in this house and you want to be comfortable and have AC and all these wonderful things, right? So that's not out of your tithes and offerings that go towards this house. But 100% of your offering to our vision offering goes to the church in the Philippines. And we have the honor and privilege of partnering with God in this amazing endeavor. In addition, we're going to go down there in September, and we'd like to invite as many people as can come to come with us. Come and see and experience this. I guarantee your life will never be the same. It will never be the same. Something will change in your heart. And if you don't, that doesn't change in your heart, then I don't know, maybe only Jesus can help you. But we'd love for you to join us. Some of the worship team is going down. We're taking our music team down as well. So I'm going to ask you to be generous today. I'm going to ask you to start today. I'm going to ask you to start now. To get this kicked off in your heart right now, I'm going to ask you by being generous for every single one of you here to give $50 today. You can do that. It's not going to kill you. 
It's not going to cost you. And right now you're probably thinking, well, I have this bill and that bill. Trust God. Give to God and he'll give you exceedingly abundantly more. And this is where we can start into doing something in our heart that will eventually change the world. So again, I'm asking each of you today, even those that are watching online, to be generous and give $50. You can give more if you like. You can give a whole lot more. We're not saying, we're saying at least 50 today. And 100% of that is going to go to the Philippines. You'll see the account numbers on the screen momentary. But before that, I want to read what Paul speaks to us again. Right? So it's not just John. Here's Paul. He says this. Command those who are rich in this present world, which is who? All of us, compared to the rest of the world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Because that's how we get, right? We get a little bit and we think, well, that's what's going to take care of me. We have lots, we're like, wow, that's going to take care of me. We tend to put our trust in wealth. But to put their hope in God. Say it with me. Are you a bit nervous? All right. You just sang about a God who's great, right? Now you're getting quiet? All right. But put their hope in God. Right? That's where our trust should rest, in God. Our hope should be in Him, not in riches. And God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Here's what Paul is trying to communicate to us. Command them. Familiar? We caught those words earlier, right? Right? Okay. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and be willing to share. Be rich, do good deeds, and be willing to share. And I think all of us want to do good, right? All of us want to help. All of us believe we want to do amazing things. And here's how you get started. I'm asking you to be generous today. And this year, I'm going to ask the host team. We prepared some beautiful brochures for you. And every one of you is going to get that. The host team will hand it out to you. It speaks about our vision this year. And we've prepared them especially for you. As they hand them out, let's be quick host team. Now I want to repeat to you our vision for this year. I'm going to repeat that again just so you understand. I'm going to ask every single one of you to carefully read through this brochure. It talks about our heart. Take it home, read through it, pray about it, and let God lead you. Right? It speaks about who we are as a church, what we want to do, where we want to go, what's in our heart, how we're going to get there. It also talks a little bit about what we're doing in our community right here. And the very last page here, right here, everyone look, look up here. Last page is how you can be generous. There's also a part where we have a pledge form. We're encouraging you to go on there, use the link, use a scan code. It's on our website already. Go on there, scan it, pledge something, because you never know what God can do with your planned giving, your generosity. And it actually helps you accountable. When you create space for generosity, God blesses you increasingly and abundantly. So, again, quickly, we're trying to raise $40,000 this year for planting a campus in the Philippines. And that's what we are going to do together as Transform. And each of us, if we have an income, can give $1,000 this year. That's $22 a week. And I'm asking you today to get started 
by giving $50. We're going to put up those details on the screen. The giving details on the screen. And I want to thank you for being generous. It's not the same account as our Heart for a House. You'll see that up there. It's called our Vision Offering. It's a different account. And when you're giving, just put Vision Offering 2024. We'll be able to track that for you. And so as we close today, I just want to pray for us, pray for you, and pray for your heart and our heart at Transform. Take this home, read it, speak into it. But again, I remind you, as we have an offering person come up here and take our offering today, I want you to give at least $50 to start off with to our vision offering this morning. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.